Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever Ryzentine podcast. I am your host, I'm Bridger Park, and we're super excited to get this thing going. We're going to kick this all off. I'm going to introduce myself and then introduce Ryzentine, and we'll talk about some hunting, we'll talk about our plans. It's going to be going to be a good time. So to kick it off, we'll introduce myself. So as I said before, I'm Bridger Park, and I'm from Ogden, Utah, originally, but three years ago-ish, I actually moved down to Idaho. I'm living in the Rigby, Idaho Falls area down here, and I did that um, more than anything just to chase my love for the outdoors. I mean, I needed to get kick some stuff in gear, and that was a good way to do it, and then I moved down to Rigby, Idaho chase all the, the opportunity that's down here and it's been it's been fantastic um i've been hunting for nine years now uh, archery pretty much exclusively the past two or three years getting back into some rifle stuff this year i'm gonna have two or three rifle hunts but yeah other than that it's been exclusively archery for the most part the past couple years um my favorite is archery elk so that's what the lion's share of our content overall is going to be will be archery elk and then i love chasing mule deer i've had just a bad relationship with them with my bow um, but they're a lot of fun. I love chasing high country mule deer. And then the past couple years, uh, I've been chasing a lot of whitetail in the late season, which has been really fun just getting to chase after something that I'm not super knowledgeable about and just learning all over again. And then one of the other, one of my, well, they're all my favorite really, but one of my other things that I love to chase are antelope. There's plentiful opportunities in Idaho to chase antelope and so I've spent a lot of time doing that and I have grown very fond of them and pretty much anything else that I can talk to or that I can possibly chase I will love turkey I've never never had a tag of my own just because where I put in down here is kind of hard to get but I've called plenty in and I've seen plenty hit the floor that yeah and then just the bunch of birds i love being able to call and so last year i got heavily into waterfowl this year there's going to be plenty more waterfowl and geese and then some upland birds recently got a griffon pointer so i'm going to kick off her this year with some pheasant and some grouse and things like that but really i hunt anything that i can i definitely spend most of my time chasing elk with a bow but anything else in the middle, I'm absolutely going to be hunting. Other than that, I'm a huge archer. It is what dominates my life. I This year, I got into indoor shooting for the first time. And so I had an open setup for the first time in my life and got into that. And I've always shot like practice rounds and stuff indoor, but this year I dedicated myself to it and my scores went up drastically and it was fun. I'm still a work in progress on the competition side of things, but I'm getting excited about it and a lot of progress is being made. So that's, that's fun to see. But other than that, uh, 3d shoots are my favorite thing other than hunting to do with a bow. They 
are what I spend the most time doing outside of hunting. And so that's what's going to dominate my schedule this year for shoots are just shooting foam. going to have some tack shoots, some mountain archery festivals, and then a lot of local stuff. There's pretty much a 3D shoot every weekend down here. And so we're going to be doing that a lot. And so that's pretty much what you need to know about me. And now I'd like to introduce Rising Time to you guys. For anybody who doesn't know what we are or who we are, I'm just going to explain that to you. So we started, I started Rising Time with a couple buddies May of last year. Um, just started as an Instagram page. We haven't, didn't do anything crazy with it off the get-go. So, I mean, if you haven't heard from us, that's about us. That's why. But we started with the Instagram and just posting hunting content on Instagram. And then we bought a camera right before last season, last hunting season. And so we've got a little bit of film to go off of. And so we've got exciting things coming with that. But right now, it's just the Instagram and then our website. And so our website's risingtine at wixsite.com. Um, and there's some cool stuff on there. There's the campfire, which is where we've been posting hunting stories and stuff. I'll be honest been a little lazier with it than what I would like. Um, I need to, you know, kick my butt into gear and get some stuff rolling, but times get busy, you know how it is. But so there's the campfire on there and then there's the New York Times, which is where we've been posting like news in the hunting community. And then that's kind of how it started and what we kicked off with lately we've been selling some hats and trying to get our name out there by clothing so we have hoodies hats shirts some stickers are coming and things like that but yeah i mean still for the most part in the beginning phase of things but lately we've been putting putting a lot more money into it and so we have some things coming that i'm super excited for and so, first off, um, our YouTube channel is coming up, and we have some great content that we're putting out in the next couple months. And so, the first thing is we're going to do a bunch of broadhead testing. I'm going to go over some broadheads I've shot, and then some of the more popular brands of lately. And then since they're now legalized in Idaho Falls and some more attention has been putting on them, we're going to do a decent amount of mechanical broadhead testing as well. And so we're just going to shoot them through like a ballistic jelly and then let's see, you know, how it reacts in that. And then uh, we're going to shoot them through a shoulder blade and then do a target and see how it handles a shoulder blade and what it looks like after and that kind of thing. And then... I'm going to have a gear breakdown coming out. So I'm just going to be my, my back country, like packing in elk backpack setup basically. And so what all I'm keeping on my back and taking with me and where I put it, things like that, and just break down how that is going to work. And then some tips and stuff I've learned from that. And then we're going to have some 3d content coming out. 
So just going to have some videos and stuff of art shoots and things like that. I love archery. And so I'd like to share that with people and we're going to have some cool videos with that. And hopefully it'll work all right. And then our hunting content. So we don't have a ton yet. We have some stuff and I'm trying to put it together and we're going to have some spring content coming out for bear, but working on putting that together and that'll probably come out later in the year more towards next hunting season but i'm excited for that and it's going to be super fun and then we have some products coming out that well before that are also going to have some calling content on the youtube and um, that's what i take pride in is calling out and so we're gonna i'm gonna just post some tips and what you know, calls I like and why I like them. And then, you know, some different techniques and things like that. We'll also break some of that down on the podcast here. But other than that, that's kind of what our YouTube's going to look like for the next couple months. And then we're going to have some products um, coming out, service type things that we're not quite ready to talk about, but it's going to be pretty cool and getting stuff in the works. And I'm excited to Excited to start that. And then we have the podcast, which is what I've been the most excited for. It took some time to get going. I wanted to make sure I did some things right and got the right things for it. And so it was a work, a work. It was in the works for a while. And I'm very excited to start finally. And So now I'll just kind of run down what you can expect from the podcast itself. And so it's not just going to be me every time. I'm going to be joined by some some co-hosts and guests. My hunting buddy and the one you'll see the most in the content and one of the people who helped me start Rising Pine, uh, Michael Rhodes, will be with me on a lot of them. And then once a month, we're going to have Archery Idaho's Brian Loveland, one of my co-workers and just a phenomenal archer and I mean he's huge in the target world and huge in the tech world and he's phenomenal and so we're gonna have him with us too and I guess I guess I forgot to mention so I work at Archery Idaho I'm an archery tech and so that's where I met Brian at and the dude's just got a huge brain and I mean he's forgotten more about archery than I know about archery, and so once a month we'll have a sit down with him and just go over all things archery, and that I'm excited for that. And then, but for the most part, our podcast we're going to try to have um, guests on every episode. Right now, it's just going to be from my local community and my hunting buddies and things like that. And we're going to have what I like to call the campfire. Um, same thing that's been on our website for a while. And so we're just going to go over basically a recap of their hunting season and what they were able to get last year. Um, and then overall recap of their hunting experience. So just standout moments. I mean, awesome animals they've gotten or funny stories, scary things that have happened in the woods and just everything they have to share about you know experiences and stuff in the woods because that's my favorite thing about hunting i mean i love going to the campfire at night and talking about the day and then talking about the past and hunting in general i mean it dates back to 
before. Like, that's the first form of written communication that's ever been documented as tales of hunting stories. It's what humans were carving on rocks and caves. And, I mean, people would gather around fires to tell their hunting stories. And so, something deep inside of human nature just really loves hunting stories, I guess. And so... I'm, I'm no different than anybody else in that aspect. And so that's what the show is going to be focused on is people being able to tell hunting stories and talking about hunting. And then that being said, we'll also have a community segment in it where we're going to take stories from our community, our hunting community, and talk about those. And so that is for everybody. So if you guys have any stories you want, us to talk about or share on the show, you can hit us with an email. Our email address is rntconservation at gmail.com. And so you can send them to us there. You can also find it if you go to our website and you can find that in our Instagram bio, or you can look us up. You can find our email there and then you can just send us your story from there and we'll kind of peruse them and then we'll have them on the show and like i said that's one of my favorite things so anybody who wants to do that is more than welcome to and i'd love to share your story and then um once a month i think is all we're gonna do this but i'm a huge history buff i love history and i love famous hunters through time i mean from recent hunters to medieval hunters there's always been people who stand out and i mean every country history has been built on hunting or had hunting of some form in it and so there's no shortage of historical hunters who are pretty cool and so once a month i'd like to go over historical hunters and just spend a few minutes talking about we'll have one person each time and just spend a few minutes talking about them and a rundown of their life and some cool facts about them and stuff like that. Um, and then we're going to have what I like to call the New York times. And so that's just news going on in the hunting world. And so current like new changes in legislation or, you know, whatever's on the news of the crazy guy in the South or whatever, you know, just what's overall going on in hunting. So we'll do population levels, we'll do legislation. And then, you know, if there's anything else important going on in the hunting world, just all of that stuff. And so our podcast will be published every Wednesday. Um, so, that's that's when you can expect us is every Wednesday. And so super excited for that. And so now we'll kick off into some of the good stuff. So I'd like to just go over my archery recap of this season, this past season. And so I wasn't able to get out a whole lot this year. I had just started at Archery Idaho um, like three months before the start of the season. And so I was pretty busy. And so I only got out, I got out four days for antelope and then five days for elk. Still had a very memorable season, but just wasn't out a whole lot. And so we'll start off with antelope. That's what I hunted first in the year. And so it started off pretty poorly, I'll be honest. The first weekend I was out there. So I said I hunted from a blind this year for antelope. So I had 
spot in stock before. I killed a decent buck last year, but this year I decided to go for archery in a blind, a ground blind over water. And it started off super poor. I set my ground blind seven days before the season. I had checked on it a couple times and kind of hung out in the area. And then opening morning, I had got out there after not being there for like two or three days. And my blind was gone. My stakes and my tether for the blind were rolled up and set down in a pile, which made it almost worse. But his brand new Zenit ground blind was stolen right right from the water hole, which was super sucky. And then I ended up leaving my release out. Talk about that story in a minute. But the other huge problem I had with antelope was the population was weird this year. And so where I normally hunt, there's, I mean, you can't, you throw a rock and you're going to find a herd of antelope out there. And so it's always always been incredible hunting but the water levels this year were extremely low and so i had a hell of a time finding antelope this year and finding water this year and so they had moved around to some weird spots and it was just kind of difficult to find them and since the water shortage the drought everybody's aware of the drought the blm laws had changed a little bit for the drought and so there were some weird things happening with the water. For the most part, there wasn't any water where I was hunting. I mean, I spent two days just driving around to different water holes to try to find it. So I went to BLM troughs, went to water holes that were showing up on maps, went to previous water I knew about, and just all of it was freaking gone. And so I finally found a full trough to put my blind on. And then the day after it was stolen, so the day after opening day, I was kind of trying to stick around in that area because if there's water, there's antelope. And the next day, it was completely empty. just drained and the water was shut off to it, and so it couldn't be refilled, which normally you don't see a lot of, but because of the drought, people are able to do that. And so had a hard time finding water. And then without my blind, I just resorted to spot and stock, which is a lot of fun with antelope but it's harder than hell to spot and stalk an antelope with your bow the area i hunt is pretty cool because there's a few different like within four or five miles of each other there's a few different type of types of terrain just right there and so my favorite forum and what i spend most of my time hunting is there's some rolling sage that they that there's a lot of bedding in there just to get out of the wind and stuff like that and it's deceptively, like it looks flat in pictures. You take a picture and it's flat looking, but then you get back in there and it's there's all sorts of little folds and cuts out of the land. And so I like that stuff because it's easy to stock in, easier to stock in. Um, and then there's some more rocky area. And so that's better for like glassing and stuff like that. Is there's like jutting red rock and so it's pretty easy to like get a good vantage point and you can stalk around that stuff pretty well too just because you can always kind of put something between you and the antelope but then the area that i find the most probably is the flatlands out there and i mean 
flat ones, like just straight shale. And so I spent the first two days glassing from like a little plateau almost in the flatlands and then just you know hours and hours of crawling in the shale after antelope and it was just not working because it's hard to beat an antelope when you have cuts and stuff to get to them from and then just army crawling with a bow on your back through shale one is a really good way to beat yourself up but two it's a fool's game to an extent because their eyesight is unmatched and i had a hard time getting in range doing that in the first place and then let alone the few chances i had finding a time to stand up and draw back and so that's you know most of the time i got picked off before but i had two times where i was able to get within range and then as soon as i would stand they poof just gone and so i had a hell of a time with that this year and so i spent the next three days i got some access to private property i had been trying for for a few years and it's in the more rolly side of the unit and so I spent a lot of time there. Um, and then that's where everything kind of broke down on me again. And so the first stock I had put on out there, um, there was some skylined antelopes on one of the like bigger ridges. And I was stalking over to them and I got within 70 yards and I set my release down. I was shooting a stand thumb release. And so I set that down and then pulled out my rangefinder and ranged him. And then in the process of that, they kind of fed over the back of the ridge. And so I, you know, got ready to go and headed out after him and then cut them off on the other side and then got him in 60 yards, ranged him again, and then went to draw back only to find out that I had not brought my release with me. And so spent a couple hours looking for my release and then had to waste a day driving back to go pick up a spare release because it just vanished i mean it it's a dull gray and hard to see out there and so that's still kicking around on that guy's property somewhere and that was very unfortunate and so had to waste some time heading back and things like that and then it was pretty quiet after that i had another really good stock um on the one of the farmer's pivots off of the sage and so i used some bales as cover to put in between me and the antelope and then got within 40 yards of them but i let those ones walk they were kind of smaller it was a group of three females and a couple bucks and they looked like they were just kind of yearlings that had decided to you know stick with mama like antelope do and so I passed on those guys, and then that's kind of how my season ended for antelope. It was unfortunate the way it played. I had a hard time with the blind getting stolen. I just don't understand, you know, how people act sometimes. Uh, it's the type of thing that gets land shut down or gives hunters a bad rep and things like that. I mean, we're a dying breed, and it seems like out of anybody we should be a group of people who respects each other the most and 
the group of people who supports each other the most, but then you have people doing shit like that, and it just ruins it. And so I had a hard time with that. Took me a week or two to calm my anger down from that. It's just very, very frustrating, but it's still a fun season. I love antelope. I could just wash them for hours, and it'd be all right with me. Gorgeous animals, and so I enjoy just watching antelope. But still, it's a bummer the way it happened, but that's just hunting. It's what it, what it is. And an elk this year um, was a lot of fun. I didn't spend quite as much time as I wanted to, and then I didn't spend the time... I wanted to there, if that makes sense. So I wanted, I had my hunt planned for the early season. So I was going to hunt, well, earlier in the season, I was going to hunt the ninth through the, the 26th or the 16th, sorry. And ended up having some stuff happen at work. And so I had to be at work and then other things happening with the people I was hunting with and stuff. And so it just worked out that, I didn't go up until I think it was the 18th through the 23rd. Yeah, 18th through the 23rd. And then, which is a good time to hunt. I prefer earlier than that because it seems like earlier in the years when they start setting up their pecking orders and stuff, and that's when it's easiest to call in big bulls, in my opinion. And then later in the year, big bulls seem to be a little more finicky. They don't want to lose the cows they have and stuff, but it seems like later in the year I have an easy enough time calling in satellites and things like that. Um, and so the terrain I hunt or hunted last year um, was higher altitude. Um, I hunted mostly in the Aspen, so... I like hunting the pines, but I didn't get uh, I didn't get into them a whole lot this year. I was finding elk in the aspens, so I stayed in the aspens. And so it was mostly just kind of high sage mountains with pine shoots and a big or with aspen shoots and a big aspen forest. And so that's where I ended up hunting the most. And so one of the bigger bulls I've ever seen about ran me over this year. So it had to have been a 350, 360 class bull. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to fit my hands around its antlers. It just was super thick, super tall. And it was earlier in the hunt. I was, there's this little horseshoe of aspen trees that I was hunting. So, well, at a horseshoe clearing in aspen trees. And then behind me, there's about 200 yards of open sage. And then um, it's like spotted with some willow bushes. And then it drops down, and where it drops down, there's a fence marking private property, and then there's a bowl off the other side, which will be important later. But um, And so I like that horseshoe because it's deep enough, like a little clearing, and that's where the elk on the public side seem to feed into at night. And they always kind of use that as a corridor or their feed in there, and they'll, they'll graze in there. And so I've always liked that area and the pines or hell, the aspens above the horseshoe kind of start an ascent. And I was on the east end of the trees. I think it was the second day of the hunt. The first was pretty quiet. And then 
the, so I was with the wind in my face, hoping they were going to kind of cut through um, from the top or the north, which is where I've had them the most come through there. And so I was just taking it easy. wasn't doing too much calling or anything like that. I was just sitting there hoping that they would present themselves or they would talk first. And then um, earlier in the day, so probably like four o'clock, a bull chuckled from up above me and I hit a cow call and all hell just broke loose. He started charging through the brush down towards me. And so I quickly get my release on the string and stuff. And he comes from the worst possible angle. And so he was up above me and kind of fed down to downwind from me and broke the trees at like 30 yards from me. And without skipping a beat, I mean, he had to have winded me, but without skipping a beat, he just flipped around and turned, ran up. And that one, it was just giant. One of the, well, the biggest bull I'd ever seen with a bull bow in my hand. And so I just, you know, it was one of those, I was like, oh, hell. And I have to sit down. And I was shaking so bad. And I was like, heck, maybe I should lie down. You know, just trembles going. And later that night, one of the more exciting things of the season happened for me. Um, there's a bull going crazy off on, like, down in the bowl on the public side. And so... Um, I started playing with him just because it was quiet where I was and stuff. So I started talking with him, just cow calls at first and stuff. And then all of a sudden he starts coming up the hill and I was like, oh man, like he's coming. And you never get bulls to cross that fence. They know that's a sanctuary. Nobody gets to hunt there. Um, there's plenty of elk there for them to keep themselves busy with. And so they just, I mean, good luck getting them over. And so... I sat there and just played with him. And as soon as he started coming up from the bowl, I hit just a young sounding call at him and it pissed him off. And knowing that there was a bowl with the cows that were flirting with him. And so we talked blind for probably 30 minutes before he came up. And it was just this little raghorn four point pimped out with like eight cows. And he crested the hills, screaming his butt off. He had a deep, raspy scream. I was expecting not him. And so that, he came up, and <laughs> it was funnier than hell just because of how many cows he had rolling with him. But I put myself with, like, against a willow bush, kind of between me and him, and kept calling to him. And we talked for probably an hour, an hour and a half, and he made really good ground. I have some video I'll post of him and his cows. It's just iPhone footage, nothing good. But I'll post that on the Instagram once we publish this. But he just came, you know, rolling. We screamed for a while at each other. And then not 10 minutes after shooting light ended, his feet hit the ground on the public side. And so it was really cool for me because I, you know, you don't get out to cross the onto the public from over there and so seeing your work pay off with your calling like that was pretty rewarding but nevertheless you know that internal compass or internal timer i think they knew when you know the time came and it was dark that he wasn't going to be able to be killed and so he jumped just after light waited it out a little bit and then he came over and so 
that was pretty exciting and like I said, really rewarding. But other than that, I had um, some spike encounters um, a little later in the week. Just called a couple little bowls up from um, this one Aspen Bowl just throughout the day. Talked to a couple different ones and brought them up. Nothing too exciting. I decided to pass on them. I still had time left, left in the season and it was kind of just one of those, you know, don't pass up today what you take tomorrow. And I did. And so, you know, it was kind of on me. But then the last day rolled around and I was just sitting moping. Just all the things I messed up, what I should have done differently, what else I should have killed. And, and just all the negative things about what happened in the season or over the season and then there was just a super pretty sunset so i walked out there's this kind of cliffy rock outcrop and i sat down and looked and gazed over the sunset there was some rolling hills in the back and it was orange and blue and just gorgeous and there's already pictures of it up on rising pines instagram but i'll post them again um once this is published but you'll see if you look at the picture there's a little ridge on the left side of them and there's three cows poking their heads up and so i took the picture and everything before i even saw them and then michael who was hunting with me actually pointed them out and he's like hey there's up over there and so i got my glass on them and then all of a sudden a bull peeked up over the ridge and i mean it was about 300 yards away and so instantly I started cow calling at him and he started working over to us but you could tell he wasn't super gung-ho about it he was just nonchalant taking his sweet time and so then we're kind of like all right well it's not gonna happen we'll keep trying but you know we're pretty much done this is the last day and then right down off to the right hand side of me in the trees a bull ripped up just young sounding but he was not 60 yards from us um, by the sound of it. And so I hit him with some cow calls and he kept going. And so I got amped up and then I messed up. And just by habit, I responded to one of his calls with a, a mean sounding bugle. I just talked over the top of him like normal, but just released an aggressive sounding bugle. And he didn't like that. And he shut up. And so I continued to push into the trees, cow calling and stuff. But... You know, he was long gone, and that ended elk season this year. And it was a bummer the way it happened and the opportunities that were missed, but you need to have those. You know, it's why they call it hunting and not killing. And I had been on a hot streak of, I think, five years or four years of not going a season without killing anything. And... That one was just good to keep me honest because you can't get over cocky. I mean, it put me in a spot where I had to realize, okay, what am, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do better? What do I need to learn? Because even you'll just flat out never know it all with hunting. I mean, the best hunters in the planet still have things they can learn, and I certainly do. I mean, I am by no means the best hunter. Um, and I have a ton to learn, but sometimes you just get ahead of yourself and a little cocky. And so last season was really good. It kind of put me in my place and made me 
rethink what I was doing and rethink my attitude towards hunting and just put me in a good spot to grow. And everybody needs years like that. And so while it wasn't super exciting, it was something that I did really need. And so that was good for me. And I still made a ton of good memories. It's one of the better seasons that stands out to me in my mind. And I'm grateful for it. But just wasn't lucky enough to, you know, seal the deal on anything. And so other than that, I didn't get out a whole bunch this year. Um, spent a couple days hunting rifle muleys with no luck, um, just kind of helping other people and things like that. And then um, spent two weekends on whitetail was all I got to do. Uh, really enjoyed that. This is, the, I started hunting whitetail um, two years ago. And it's been going really well. Well, it has not been going really well. It's been really fun. But they can be pretty wily. And it's completely different from the way I hunt mule deer. And hunting whitetail in the rut can be tough. And so just learning, you know, what to do and when to do it. Where to put your stand. What to look for in order to put up your stand. And things like that have been incredibly challenging. But it's one of those things that you know, you need as a hunter is to do new things and to challenge yourself. And so I've had a lot of fun with that. And the whole reason I got into it in the first place was to help fight off cabin fever so early in the year. Because you can get, you can hunt them into late December, well into mid-December. And so I started doing that just so I was hunting later in the year and I didn't, didn't get so anxious to get back out as quick during the winter you know and so that was good and then duck season this year was a blast we got out got to hunt utah and idaho and it was just super fun um again it was new i've hunted ducks before but i'd never devoted myself to it a bunch and so um got in on them heavily and we knocked down quite a bit of ducks this year and it was a lot of fun and so to finish off the podcast today, we're going to do a little New York Times. Um, we're going to do two big things, two very talked about things. Um, first is it's pretty talked about. There's a, um, a no hunting on Sunday law in Maine. And it's been long fought, basically. There's some traditional people who like it and, you know, Feel like it's tradition for the state and then the majority of people are just very very bugged by it and so they passed a new constitutional well a new right to food amendment and it's and it's been fought a bunch they're run like a 35 or 34 and 0 record of laws coming up against it that they've knocked down but this one um, was voted in last November. It's the Right to Food Amendment, and it's Article 1, Section 25 of its Constitution. Um, guarantees a manner, and I quote from Parker, the plaintiff of the case, a natural, inherent, and inalienable right to food, including the right to grow, raise, harvest, produce, and consume the food of their own choosing. And so that bill will help overturn the Sunday hunting law. And I mean, it's a little silly, 
a lot of people argue that because it was, you know, a blue law it was made to protect, you know, people's beliefs or strengthen their biblical beliefs. But most people who are biblical or are religious argue that hunting is one of the most spiritual things they do. And then, you know, you can't get in the way of them being successful on a harvest. I mean, it, and it's not just religion we're talking about. I mean, it's people's food and things like that. And so it's been long overdue um, to be overturned. And so Maine and Massachusetts are only the only two left with that law. And it looks like Maine's getting it fixed. So that's exciting news. And then also um, pretty big deal from Idaho. They were the last state in the union to not have allowed mechanical broadheads and lighted knocks and so and that was a huge deal and it's been fought for years and it finally got changed this year and so starting july 1st um you'll be allowed to use mechanical broadheads and lighted knocks in idaho but they ended up doing it by kind of jumping over fishing games with it and so it's got a, a couple people, you know, well, a lot of people a little nervous about it, but more than anything, people are just relieved because it, it made no sense. It was a stupid law. It never should have been put in place, and it should have been overturned a long time ago. And kind of a group of more purist traditional archers were the ones that were keeping it at bay for the most part. And so it's relieving to see that, and, you know, good changes coming. So that'll just about do it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We've been looking forward to this podcast for a long time. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to learn. I mean, just hopefully we can kind of figure this thing out together. You know, obviously there's going to be a lot of growing and things involved with it. I think we have a pretty good foundation and an idea of what we're going to get out of it. And so I'm, again, very excited and I had a lot of fun with this first episode. And yeah, so we'll see you guys next week.